0: Welcome to the very first episode of the Modern Slavery Pack podcast. I am Jakub Sobik, I'm a communications director at the Modern Slavery and Human Rights Policy and Evidence Center. The Modern Slavery Pack was created by the investment of public funding to enhance understanding of modern slavery and transform the effectiveness of laws and policies designed to address it. We are funded and actively supported by the Arts and Humanities Research Council on behalf of UK Research and Innovation. On the podcast, we'll talk to the Modern Slavery Pack and other researchers about evidence they uncover in the research on modern slavery. We are interested in evidence that can have practical impact on policies, laws and practice, which in turn can have real impact on the lives of real people who are affected by what we call modern slavery. For the first episode, we're going to talk about consumers. We are all consumers, so we're talking about all of us. We want to reflect on what modern slavery means to all of us as consumers, citizens, or just people. Do we, consumers, have a role to play in addressing modern slavery? Do we have responsibility to act? And crucially for governments or campaigners, what should we think about to engage consumer more effectively? I'm going to talk to my guests who are authors of the report that we published last week, entitled Addressing Consumer Awareness and Inaction Towards Modern Slavery. I hope you find this conversation useful. So it's time to welcome our guest, Dr. Michael Carrington from the University of Melbourne. Professor Andreas Chatsidakis from Royal Holloway University of London and Professor Deirdre Shaw from the University of Glasgow. Welcome to the Modern Slavery Pack podcast. Today we're talking about the role of consumers in addressing modern slavery. I wanted to ask you first, where does the interest in consumers come from in relation to modern slavery? I mean, you've done some work on the subject before, so uh, please tell us a little bit about that. How do you see the role of consumers in the context of modern slavery?
1: Yes, thanks, Jakob. The issue here is that there are more people trapped in severe situations of exploitation in the world today than ever before. And modern slavery and other forms of labour exploitation underpin the supply chains of many goods and services both locally, so for example, here in Australia, where I am, and also in the UK, where you are, and globally as well. And when we think about consumers, consumers are actually central to forced labour and to addressing forced labour within the supply chain of the products and, and goods and services that they consume. So on the one hand, as consumers, we are implicated in modern slavery because our consumption choice as individuals drive the aggregate levels of market demand for forced labour-produced products and services, in which case our actions as consumers and through these actions, we might actually be unwittingly or unknowingly fueling the labour exploitation that we're talking about. But on the other hand, Consumers are also citizens. And as consumer citizens, um, we can exert considerable pressure for positive change. And we can do that through our consumption choices, doing things like boycotting or bycotting. But we can also do it through civic action, actions like lobbying and reporting. Now, if you consider recent media exposés, like the revelations of the working conditions in Boohoo's Leicester garment factories in the UK, this media attention attracted widespread interest towards modern slavery, and particularly as it was a form of labour exploitation um, closer to home than many would have thought possible. And yet, in this case, despite the media attention, Aggregate consumer demand for forced labor produced um, products continued unabated. And so this prompted us to ask what can be done to motivate individuals as consumer citizens to take action and to mobilize en masse to address modern slavery?
0: Thank you, Mikhail. Um, Here at the Modern Slavery Pack, we focus on practical impact, both in terms of policy, but also in terms of understanding of modern slavery more generally. Where do you see the potential of your work to make impact and what needs to change in terms of policy and practice?
2: Right. So I think what needs to change uh, directly relates to what uh, Mikhail just um, uh, discussed, right? Uh, in effect, what we need, and that's what we are really arguing, and that's the background of these studies, we need a more nuanced understanding of the role of consumer and the role of consumer culture in perpetuating um, uh, instances of uh, modern slavery and extreme labor exploitation. Uh, In other words, we need to uh, better understand uh, the demand side of modern slavery and extreme labor exploitation and identify what needs to be done. So, as Mikhail just uh, uh, said, we are not suggesting that consumers enjoy uh, consuming uh, products and services that are affected by modern slavery, right? And we're not—we're not suggesting either that uh, consumers need to feel very guilty and responsible for uh, what is in effect a systemic, uh, socioeconomic issue. So we're not trying to responsibilize consumers, as we say in academic terms. But we are not trying to fully de-responsibilize them either. Right. So what we want to do is we want to look at consumer culture and how, in a way, modern slavery and extreme labor exploitation is normalized through consumer culture as well by, for example, demanding just in time products at extremely low prices and so on and so forth. And then uh, assess what we can do to change, you know, this force or this, uh, you know, this in a way, a causal factor of modern slavery, right? And our solution is not to responsibilize consumers, but the solution cannot be that we are happy seeing consumers ignoring, for example, exposes like the book one that Mikhail uh, discussed. Uh, What we... And that really very much underpins uh, the logic of our report is analyse different sources of consumer power and thinking of different ways of creatively uh, lifting it and using it uh, as part of the struggle against modern slavery and extreme labour exploitation. And analysing um, the source of consumer power and collectivising it uh, doesn't necessarily mean uh, responsabilizing individual consumers. It may mean uh, um, some form of collective action in the marketplace But again, as Michal said, it can mean many other forms of action that take place outside the marketplace. In other words, we're not focusing on the consumer, we're focusing on the consumer citizen, and we're trying to think creatively about the very wide pool of actions that we have in our capacity as both consumers and everyday citizens, from writing to local MPs, to uh, emailing corporations, to taking part in social movements, and so on and so forth, and to boycotting and supporting specific services and products.
0: I think it's time to introduce your uh, Modern Slavery Pack project.
1: Absolutely. So the research project focuses on understanding consumer inaction towards modern slavery in the UK, and we investigate also how consumers can be mobilised to take action to address modern slavery. And the research project itself had three separate studies that we combined together. So, first, we had a compre- comprehensive review of academic research that is already out there, looking into the areas of modern slavery and consumption, consumption ethics, anti slavery campaigns. And, and we really interrogated that existing research or body of knowledge to look at how consumers attitudes and behaviours and intentions can be mobilised to address modern slavery. So that was the first part. The second part, we actually looked at, again, existing academic research, but research that specifically investigates the effectiveness of anti-slavery campaigns. And we examined those very closely to understand which interventions have been effective um, in mobilising consumer action. And then finally, our third study, um, which we combined with the other two, in that study, we actually went out and interviewed experts in the field um, who represented case studies of recent anti-slavery campaigns. Um, and so when we brought together those experts who came from across three different sectors, um, across services, agriculture and clothing industries, we were able to use those interviews to, to really add depth to the research that we had done.
0: Okay. Uh, well, talk us through uh, your findings and your evidence, then. Uh, how about you give uh, us and the listeners uh, the top three Uh, findings from your research?
3: So We have a number of findings that we consider to be key, but um, to highlight three as examples, I would say, um, first of all, it's vital to not only raise awareness, but to identify clear actions that consumers can take. So it can be frustrating and confusing to have your awareness raised, but then not have pathways to positive action identified that you can take. So it's also um, important to consider that pathways to action may be different for different people um, and not to consider that a one size fits all in terms of offering possible solutions. Um, this is
0: so interesting if I can uh, cut in because we've seen so many uh, campaigns just focusing on raising awareness and raising awareness was the thing that as, as long as I can remember working in this field uh, raising awareness was always one of the main uh, aims of the of the movement if I can say that so it's it's really interesting to see that finding.
3: Yeah yeah I mean awareness is important but unless people have ways to take action then it, it's actually quite frustrating um, and, and it means that The issues can't move forward. Um, We also found it's important to recognise that consumers are also citizens and that actions um, don't need to be restricted to um, buying or not buying decisions, but also can engage in citizen actions like petitioning or other forms of um, protests. So the combination of actions may be important to lever change across different stakeholder um, groups. And then thirdly, I'd say that it's important not to solely responsibilise consumers, but to recognise that their responsibility exists alongside other stakeholders. So action is taken across different stakeholders and it's balanced out accordingly.
0: Uh, Thank you. I mean, the the, the last point is really important and interesting to me. Uh, I mean, from... Uh, from a couple of, of uh, kind of points of view. I think on one hand, I always felt a little bit uneasy about making consumers responsible for modern slavery and for addressing it. Uh, because, well, let's face it, it's probably businesses or governments or international organizations have probably more sway in uh, addressing modern slavery. So I always worry about making consumers uh, responsible. Uh, on the other hand, for, in practical terms, we know that if you kind of blame someone and make responsible for something as bad as modern slavery, then it's it's not a great starting point to uh, to engage with them. So, uh, uh, it, it's really interesting Now, I would uh, love you to uh, explain a little bit uh, what you found exactly and what it means. Uh, kind of responsabilizing consumers uh, in in practical terms.
3: Yeah, I and mean, we we would share your concerns about responsabilizing consumers, and that's not what we're suggesting that that um, consumers should be held solely responsible for modern slavery, and um, because you know they they are the end and um, users of these products and services. But it is important to recognize that we all hold um, roles and responsibilities. Um, And when we think about that collectively, then it balances out um, what what we can actually do and what we can achieve. So this kind of links as well to our earlier research um, where we found that consumers felt um, more willing to engage in actions to help eradicate modern slavery if they also recognised that others were doing the same. And that was across different scales. So, you know, why should I act as a consumer if, um, you know, government aren't taking actions or, or business continues as usual? So it's recognising this as a multi-stakeholder um, space where each of us have different roles and responsibilities in relation to... Um, our actions and, and our power as well in, in this particular space, and it's also important to recognise the the changes that have come about as a result of consumer action, both in terms of their behaviour as consumers, but also their behaviour as citizens. So, um, so while we don't want to responsibilise consumers, we want to recognise those responsibilities but within a space where we recognize the responsibilities of others as well. If I,
2: just to add to what Didri said, I think it's also interesting to uh, uh, briefly mention or observe how this debate on consumer responsabilization uh, has uh, become manifest in the context of modern slavery, particularly in the UK. Um, Because I remember when we um, started working on this area uh, in relation to modern slavery, there was little, there seemed to be Little concern about uh, responsibilizing the consumer, although, of course, the context was a a, a piece of legislation that directly made uh, consumers and civil society alone responsible for the enforcement of um, the legislation itself. So it was interesting that there was little debate around that and that now there are strong voices Uh, opposing any kind of uh, responsibilizing uh, of the consumer on the basis that this is misguided. We should be focusing on businesses, governments and so on and so forth. And from our perspective it is interesting because uh, this is also not in the right end of the Balancing Act. Of course we don't want to responsibilise consumers but we don't want to fully de-responsibilise them either. Consumers remain citizens. We want consumers to be alarmed when they come across a scandal of boohoo as opposed to not giving a damn, and so on and so forth. So the question is not necessarily about fully de-responsibilizing consumers, but as we said before, it's about uh, collectivizing and politicizing consumer power within a multi-stakeholder context. So that's what really we should be uh, focusing on. And responsibility here is not meant in the psychological sense of making consumers feel guilty and feel horrible about what they're doing on an everyday basis. It's about uh, pragmatically finding creative ways of, you know, pushing for positive social change.
1: And to that point, it's really about, in a way, through actions um, or through providing very clear pathways to action, for example. It actually empowers consumers, um, consumers through their consumption choices, but also as individuals through citizenship choices. And so um, it's not necessarily about making, as Andreas has suggested, making people feel guilty um, or solely responsible, but it is actually about empowering individuals to follow through with perhaps issues or around issues that they, they actually feel very strongly about.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's that sounds very uh, very sensible. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, when doing this uh, piece of research, what uh, came as uh, as the biggest surprise for you? What surprised you in in your findings uh, the most?
3: One of the things that I I found quite surprising was around um, campaign evaluation. So one of the things that we did in our research was we looked at. Um, both the literature around campaigns but we also um, looked at case studies across different sectors and um, one of the things that I found quite surprising was, um, you know, given the, the kind of effort and the importance of campaigns was perhaps the lack of the evaluation of those campaigns running right through. Um, and we appreciate that that can be quite challenging to achieve. And that is something that, you know, is part of the, the kind of findings and recommendations of our research about how to um, more effectively employ um, some marketing techniques to engage in more rigorous evaluation and, and post-analysis of campaigns. Because clearly that's really important to um, learn from and, and, and improve on campaigns in the future to make sure that there, there's a good return on both um, human and financial investment um, in that and, and moving things forward. But, um, yeah, that that kind of um, underlying strategy and structure we found was often lacking.
0: So it sounds like uh we need to pay more attention to uh to marketing basically as as uh, boring as that sounds from the a human rights uh activist perspective uh, we need to follow through with all these uh principles in order to devise good campaigns uh what about you mikha
1: mm. I guess one of the things that really surprised me, and you have already touched on it, Jakob, was around how so many of the campaigns that we investigated and and that we analysed stopped at awareness, so awareness campaigns that just didn't take it any further And so without these pathways to action, the individuals can be quite frustrated. And so you help to create awareness, um, but that awareness then just stops without some kind of um, path of action and and clear action that, that individuals can take. Um, individually and and collectively as well. And so without these pathways and these solutions, I guess on the other hand, it's actually not all that surprising that consumers don't take action, um, that stop at awareness.
0: Yeah, now let's hope after this research, uh, uh, people will take stock uh, uh, about that. Andreas, uh, I wanted to ask you as well.
2: Well, I think um, what the quite surprised me was the realization that some consumer-oriented campaigns actually do work, uh, even within specific parameters or limitations. And um, uh, for me, that was quite um, uh, promising and reassuring to see that uh, we had examples of case studies of campaigns that did pretty well. For example, um, Imokali tomatoes uh, is an example of a campaign that, with all its limitations, uh, did managed to leverage uh, consumer power and by doing that, put pressure on big buyers such as Taco Bell, McDonald's and so on and so forth to sort out their uh, supply chains, right? So there are examples of campaigns that have managed to take a realistic look at their uh, multi-stakeholder context and find uh, good, uh, sensible and creative ways of mobilizing the consumer and in a way that doesn't responsabilize consumers, in a way that elevates the power. So that was very, um, rather surprising and um, comforting, reassuring to, to see.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's been a great campaign running for years. Uh, uh, I think that's a good moment to, uh, uh, to build on, on that ex- uh, good example and uh, kind of look at uh, the tips and advice for people and organisations who would like to run uh, campaigns engaging consumers. I think it would be great if you, if you could uh, talk, uh, uh, give us some examples of best practice that what do we need to think about if we were to uh, uh, devise a campaign uh, trying to engage consumers?
2: Right. So um, I think we have mentioned some good examples already, but uh, just uh, relatively briefly, um, I think one thing that clearly came up is uh, the need for a clear, plausible and transparent pathways to action. Uh, awareness is not alone, in other words, right? And, of course, uh, many campaigns um, um, were designed with that in mind. Um, the Mokali um, um, Tomatoes campaign that I just mentioned uh, gave uh, consumers and uh, supporters specific courses of action, writing letters, uh, uh, engaging, going to demonstrations, boycotting directly, and so on and so forth. Uh, relatedly... Uh, what the same example highlights is the need to be uh, very reflective about the institutional and socioeconomic context within which its uh, campaign is designed and uh, takes place right so one needs to think of things like okay who are the key players in the industry are they is this a, a, a mon, um, uh, an industry with very few buyers that perhaps have very high reputational risk And therefore, a clever strategy will be to target directly the reputational risk of these big buyers. Or is this an industry with many smaller buyers, where extreme labor exploitation is endemic, for example. And therefore, we need to think of other ways of um, action. Uh, What I have in mind here is another um, successful boycott uh, in relation to blood strawberries in Greece uh, 10 years ago or so. Uh, where a media exposé highlighted how the extreme exploitation and slavery of Bangladeshi workers, uh, Greek consumers responded very positively. Uh, The strawberries were boycotted. Um, They were, um, in fact, named blood strawberries because of that. But what happened is because the industry there had multiple buyers and in a way, multiple consumers as well, uh, in terms of not just Greek consumers, but also consumers in Russia and so on and so forth. What happened was many of these strawberries instead were exported to other markets. And later, um, you know, a couple of years later, many of these strawberries were rebranded as of a broader region, as opposed to the specific region that was associated with modern slavery. So things like that need to be taken into account as well. You know, the specific... Socioeconomic context and industry setting of its campaign. Uh, another key uh, recommendation is ne- the need to think of target audiences and supporting groups very carefully. You know, uh, targeting is important, and also uh, thinking carefully as to what uh, one wants to achieve by engaging with certain target group. Uh, uh, the December, the December campaign, for example. Um, uh, called uh, consumer citizens, right, to uh, take part in a broader campaign that included a wide range of anti-trafficking organizations, ethical brands, uh, and so on and so forth, right? So it was a multi-stakeholder campaign in a sense. Uh, many other campaigns from the boo Who campaign to Imokali Tomatoes relied on student groups, uh, religious groups, that not just uh, with a view, not to just respond positively to a specific pathway to action, but also to act as ongoing supporters, uh, ambassadors of the specific social cause. So that's another um, important uh, thing to bear in mind. And finally, uh, a key point is, um, as we just said before, uh, they need to have clear objectives, realistic objectives, and ideally ways of measuring effectiveness. We know this is very challenging, not just within the modern slavery context, but more broadly. But um, the lack of uh, evaluation uh, was indeed a very striking observation across all our campaigns. And that lack of evaluation, in a way, um, is very significant, not only in terms of um, not giving us the ability to establish um, best practice in a more rigorous way, but also contributing to the broader cause. The more we know collectively, around modern slavery and what are the best ways of mobilising consumers and elevating consumer power, uh, the more we can progress collectively as part of a broader struggle against uh, modern slavery and extreme labour exploitation.
0: Thanks very much, Andreas. Um, Finally, what next? What would be the next steps in terms of building new evidence to engage consumers and intend businesses and governments uh, in the work addressing modern slavery? What Where would you kind of see the next steps for, for for this area?
3: So when you engage in a piece of research, you come up with answers, but also often um, further questions. Um, so this was a, a relatively small pilot and part of our remit was to set recommendations for where further um, work is required. So some of our recommendations coming out of the research include um, the need for further research into modern slavery campaigns and message framing to identify the most effective campaign approaches and the effectiveness of these message frames across time and under different conditions. So this includes, for example, you know, collective versus self orientations, and levels of responsibilisation, as we've discussed. And we also need research to identify and guide um, the effective consumer pathways to action that that we've also discussed about. This currently doesn't exist. Um, So we need to understand this both in off and online formats, um, across market and civic actions, um, we need to understand the effectiveness of different actions and also consider um, the various consumer motivations and influences that may affect their, their willingness to take action. We, we found limited research that measures actual behaviour taken by consumers. So more research is needed that actually measures um, or observes actual consumer behaviour and um i I mentioned previously campaign evaluation is important to maximize um effectiveness and to identify ways to to build as opposed to the danger of depleting consumer enthusiasm um so we would benefit from understanding this more clearly as well, and then just as a a kind of final point um it's important to recognise that consumers are concerned with a range of issues and they may act on some of these issues. So positioning modern slavery within broader human and environmental exploitation is helpful. So it's, it's also important because um, modern slavery and environmental exploitation can be linked but also that it's challenging for consumers to understand the boundaries between differing forms of exploitation and modern slavery.
0: That is all very interesting. Still so much to do. Uh, Thank you very much uh, everyone for talking to us. Our guests were Dr Michael Carrington from the University of Melbourne, Professor Andreas Chassidakis from Royal Holloway University of London and Professor Deidre Shaw from the University of Glasgow. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you very much for inviting us.
3: Yeah, thank you. It was great to talk to you today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jakob.
0: And remember, you can read the full report. Uh, it's entitled Addressing Consumer Awareness and Inaction Towards Modern Slavery uh, on our website, uh, alongside uh, a brief research summary and a very brief and punchy guidance for if you are thinking of developing a, a campaign engaging consumers, uh, you can all find it uh, on our website at uh, modernslaverypack.org uh, remember uh, when you are there on our website to sign up to our newsletter and you can always find us on social media, on Twitter at SlaveryPack and uh, search for us uh, on LinkedIn as well. Thank you for listening to the Modern Pack podcast and we will speak to you on the next one. Thank you.